0: This is the Fallible Man Podcast, your home for everything man, husband, and father. Here is your host, the Fallible Man, Brent Dowling.
1: My name is Brent, and welcome to the Fallible Man Podcast, your home for all things man, husband, and father. We provide content to help men become the men they want to be. Today, we're talking about masculinity and relationships with the host of the Not Most People Podcast, Bradley Roth. Bradley, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you. Excited to be here.
1: Now, I, I i write things down, but it gets pretty nuts. So just go where the wind takes you, man. I, I want to enjoy this with you. But tell our listeners, I'm a horrible podcast host because I don't actually introduce my guests anymore because <laughs> I get all this time before the show to do my research and look you up and find out all about you. But accolades don't mean anything to most people anymore. So tell us, who is Bradley Roth and why are you here today?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, Who am I? I it's I always struggle with that question because I think a lot of people define themselves by what they do. Like who, what I do is who I am, Uh, and I try to not look at it that way. Uh, I've done a lot of different things. I started out in the fitness industry post college, growing up, health, fitness, working out. That was basically who I was, what I knew, what I was good at. I didn't really have any skill sets or big interests beyond that. Uh, So in some ways, I think I was kind of one-dimensional for a long time. And then one way or another, kind of got exposed to different things along the way in my early 20s, needed another job uh, to kind of complement what I was doing at the gym. And that led me to real estate and network marketing and kind of all these different experiences that, you know, weren't the long-term answer for me, but Helped or they became stepping stones and learning experiences along the way to kind of like indirectly guide me to where I am now. So, you know, who I am now, I would say I'm a much more well rounded person. Uh, My biggest value, my number one value is freedom. And so everything I do is kind of based towards creating freedom in my life. So, whether that's financial freedom, location freedom, time freedom, you know, freedom in the know, patriotic American freedom sense, uh, all that stuff. So, that's kind of a big guiding principle for me. Uh, I'm infinitely curious. I enjoy learning about just just about uh, anything and everything. And I think what I strive to be known for at some point is to be, to be known, I guess, for your, like wisdom, if that makes sense, to be respected. Uh, I don't really care about the big like you said, accolades and kind of being insta-famous and all that stuff <laughs> that you see so much today. So, yeah, it's, it's hard to answer that question in like one or two sentences if you really think about it and give it what it's worth, um,
0: you know,
2: because there's so many so many dimensions to every single person. But, uh, you know, I'm excited to be on this podcast because, you know, masculinity kind of also talking about that like health, fitness, one-dimensional person to where I am now. You know a huge part of that shift, especially my relationship with my fiance, was really learning or relearning what masculinity was, probably like in the last couple of years uh and the impact it's made on myself and even just sharing it with others has been huge so uh I don't know if that <laughs> really answers your question exactly, but
1: it's you what know I what it's a really difficult question mm-hmm. to answer uh
2: it's about as open-ended as it gets.
1: Right. I was on a podcast not long ago and got asked a similar question and it was like, oh, so this is what it feels like to be on this end of that question. Got <laughs> yep. it. So no, you did a really great job of answering the question. And uh, like I said, it's one of those that I, I do research before the show, right? You're a fellow podcaster and I mean, you look up your guests, you do your research on them and you get to find out that you're talking to just some incredible people who Are normal everyday people who refuse to be just normal every day as it's broadly defined. And I do all this research. I was looking on your Facebook at uh, some of your lifting pictures. It's like, I I like I'm a gym rat. I like to lift. And I was looking at some of your lifting. It's like, man, this guy loves to work out. That's awesome. (laughs) But it just doesn't, it doesn't capture people. Right, mm. because you're right. We're not the sum of we're the sum of all of our experiences, but we're not necessarily what we do for a living. Mm-hmm. We're not whatever our trade is. I worked in the electrical field for a long time. That really just doesn't even begin to define who I am. So, right, you know, it, it's it's fair play because <laughs> I I've got now gotten stuck with that question myself, and it's like, yeah, I I'm not sure there's a perfect answer. Um, but everybody kind of oh, when
2: I ask yeah. that. Well, it's a great question because it, it'll tell you so much about someone, kind of where they choose to start with that question and how they choose to answer it. And I think a lot of people, like I said, will say, oh, this is what I do.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I think that can be kind of dangerous because there's a lot of people who tie their identities to what they do. And then uh, what if what if they get cut loose or what if something changes? You know, it's like the pro athlete or uh, like the pro athlete who retires and they're like, who the heck am I right? right? Yeah.
1: Men, men really specifically struggle with identity being based Mm -hmm. on our professions, Mm -hmm. right? That is just, we are so programmed to provide and to, you know, I don't even know how to say that. Well, we're just so programmed Mm -hmm. that what we do becomes who we are. That becomes our identifier. And the minute you see it when men retire, how many men struggle mm-hmm. with retirement. Right. Because, Midlife
2: crisis. Yeah.
1: Right. They no longer have a direction. They don't have a uh, mission anymore because mm-hmm. they, they've completed that aspect. It's like you either find a new mission when you retire or you end up dying. I, I worked – I've spent a lot of my life working around older people uh, and I've seen so many struggle – Uh, One of the gentlemen I work with, where I work my nine to five job, retired after 25 years with the company, right? Mm. Three months. It took three months. He's now the part time janitor at the facility I work at because he needed something to do.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So it's completely fair. So I was reading your website and I pulled this quote off your website and I want to make sure I read it right here. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I want to shift people's thinking about success. Wealth and happiness. I seek to do so to do that by waking people up to the fact that most people are not very happy, healthy, or wealthy. So, why would you want to live, think, and be like most people? I would love to hear more
2: about that. Yeah. uh, So, I guess growing up, I was always, I didn't realize it at the time. This is, again, one of those things I didn't really become self aware of until more recently, but. Growing up, I was very curious. I was also very logic-driven. So anytime, like in school or my parents would say, like, this is the rule or this is the way things are, I'd always be like, you know, why? Why is that the way it is? And so I kind of naturally questioned things. And the common answer of because we say so or because that's what people say was never like, satisfactory for me. And so I always grew up kind of questioning, like, why are we learning this in school? You know, like I was in college for strength and conditioning, and they made me take accounting. And I'm like, why is this relevant? You know, just like little things like that. Or in high school, we had, uh, I went to a private high school and they had this rule like, if you got caught with your cell phone, it was like five hours of detention. And I'm like, why is that a rule? And so some of these things just naturally caused me to like question things. And then as I got into, you know, working at the gym post-college. And then, like I said, these other things kind of dive in into a little bit more personal development. And I started reading books and consuming videos and content and of people who I consider to be... Or I found that everything that these super successful people said was very different or in a lot of cases, the opposite of what I had been told by everyone growing up and or what society at large kind of says. And so that made me sit back and think, you know, why are why are these guys who are where I want to be saying all this different stuff? And I know all these people, you know, and some people close to me who followed the, you know, the quote unquote the right steps, you know, go to school, get your degree, get a career, and live happily ever after, right? And it just didn't add up, it didn't match up for me. And so I started to realize that, okay, maybe. Everything I've kind of been told or that like, you know, the majority of society says is true, maybe that's not the case. You know, why are these people in that small percentage getting these different results? Oh, it's because they're doing really different things than what most people are doing. And so, I just started to see this like direct correlation. And, you know, I think that quote was just kind of word for word, my logical thought process behind that. Like this just, it doesn't make sense. And so, uh, that was kind of the inspiration for you know, not most people. Uh, you know, there's there's two parts to it. It's that success side and then that's the unconventional or different side or thinking for yourself. And if it's like a Venn diagram, that crossover in the middle, that's not most people. Because I find that the the success and then the being different, oftentimes are really one and the same. Uh, and so, that's just kind of how it all came about. Uh, I can't remember exactly the moment when the term, not most people came to me to kind of sum it all up my thoughts around that. But, uh, you know, since then that's, you know, I found myself kind of proving that theory more and more, (laughs) the more I see and learn and meet people. So
1: you work with people to help them create the intimate relationships with their spouse that they really would like to have that all of us would like to have, right? Let's, let's be Mm -hmm. honest about that. Tell us a little bit about your work there.
2: Yeah. So it's a couple of things kind of happened at once. So I, sorry, is my video kind of being funky? Um, a little bit. Yeah. Sorry about that. I don't know what's going on, but, uh, yeah, so I started this podcast and I started about six months ago, almost today. And Leading up to it, I said I'm going to do this podcast, and it was interesting. Like I said, I've been I kind of bounced around through some different things. I jumped headfirst in entrepreneurship, start my own business, like with zero experience, zero backup plan, and that was probably three or four years ago. And I got into marketing services because it was something that you could kind of teach yourself, get into without spending a ton of you know startup costs and that sort of thing. So I got into that. And I kind of pivoted a couple of times within there. I was doing social media, then Facebook ads, and then more stuff with like chatbots. And during that time, it was like, it was okay. I was learning a lot. I was like, I'm working for myself, but it wasn't really like fulfilling. It was, I was like, it wasn't like the thing. I kind of knew that long-term where I wanted to be was more in the personal development and coaching space. I just didn't know where yet. And so I came up with the idea for the podcast. I started the podcast and the original plan was to do that on the side. of oh, just a couple hours a week, which we know you guys know run a podcast. That's <laughs> not the case. There's a lot more involved. And I was like, I'm going to do that on the side. I'm going to continue my marketing business, even though it was really kind of like, I don't know, just really draining energy. It wasn't, didn't feel quite aligned. But that was a plan. And then I started, I launched the podcast and got a lot of really good feedback early on. I found it was giving me energy. And I found myself spending more and more time and energy on that and less and less and feeling less drive towards kind of the marketing business. And I think I was very hesitant to kind of switch gears because I had it in my mind that, oh, if I if I quit this business, like I'm a failure, you know, like I failed. Which obviously, as we know. Most entrepreneurs have a whole bunch of failures before they really hit it big. So that was just something I need to kind of figure out or get over myself um, because I was telling myself, oh, I have to see this through. I have to like sell this business and then I can go into the coaching space like I really, really want to. Because during the last few years, like I said, all this personal development, I kind of knew in my gut that that's where I wanted to be. I really geek out on like psychology and communication dynamics and all that stuff uh, and, be- and understanding behavior and. So I knew I was going to do something with that. I just didn't know when or exactly what. And so I launched a podcast. And even though the podcast isn't directly related to my relationship coaching, they there is some overlap. And I found, and I've heard from some people that I really trust and respect that you can do two things at the same time, but not if they're totally separate. Only if they if there's some overlap. Otherwise, you're spread too thin, and it's and your attention is too divided. So. A couple months into the podcast, I said, you know what? Uh I think I'm gonna follow my gut and go into coaching sooner rather than later. Like why wait if I know that's where I'm gonna be? Um and so I had kinda had to trust my gut instead of my brain and my logic, like I typically did. And so I made that made that jump or that transition. And I said, you know what, there's a lot of quote unquote life coaches out there. And I knew I learned from marketing that you gotta niche down, at least initially. Uh and so, I was like, I don't want to just be another Instagram bio life coach. And I, knew, I didn't have the success in business yet that I felt like, okay, I can go coach business, even though I, I could do some things with that. But I had the health background, the health and fitness background. So, I said, okay, you know, I could do that. Or, you know, what I'm really kind of passionate about and where I really see a huge gap in a need is in the relationship space. And you know, I've been we've been together, uh, me and my fiance over six years now. And, you know, she's a nurse, she kinda has that stable, steady income. And I've been over here saying, Oh, you know, give me six months and you know, we'll be good. And you know, six months comes by and you know, it's just it's never quite the timeline that you expect, especially when you're new and you're kind of you don't have realistic expectations to, you know, starting a business. And so there's a lot of kind of tension there. Um, and so a lot of learning experiences along the way. And I found, you know, in in the last couple of years, actually, once I started to really dive into kind of understanding these masculine and feminine dynamics that our relationship really jumped to a whole nother level. And I started to see that, wow, like all these people that I'm seeing, all the stuff that they're dealing with, like we've been through that. Like we, like, you know, we got through that I learned about it and I can help other people with that. And I also, you know, like I said, I everyone I know is kind of an entrepreneur. That's who I'm passionate about spending my time with. And I know that there's some really unique challenges that come along with being an entrepreneur in a long-term relationship. And so, I wanted to kind of like, I was like, that's who I can help. That's who I want to help. And that's what I'm good at and who I understand. And so, that's kind of how I decided to get into that. And, um, you know, if most of it's communication, that's a huge part of it. I would say the second pillar is understanding those masculine and feminine dynamics that I wish I knew five years ago instead of two years ago. And, you know, it's just, it's really exciting seeing all these light bulb moments, uh, like people having them and like, Oh my gosh, like my whole life, I've been going through like 40, 50 years and I've never heard that before. And, uh, you know, I'm blessed that I kind of came across a lot of this stuff in my 20s <laughs> and, you know, obviously I wish it was sooner, but I'm still at that point where I know I can help a lot of people with it and kind of like not most people dispel a lot of these things that society has taught us about relationships that aren't necessarily true.
1: Well, I, I can tell you, uh, my wife and I celebrated our 20th anniversary this year. Oh, congratulations! And if you ever actually stop learning, uh, I, I screw things up all the time. I just, I'm a wrecking ball. So we all do, you know, if you, uh, if you ever actually get to a point in your relationship where you're not learning something, then something, something there is broken itself. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. After 20 years together, I'm still not getting it right all the time and still making mistakes and still learning new things about how to interact with my wife and how to communicate with her and how not to communicate with her usually Mm -hmm. by pain points. So, you know, it's an ever growing experience. And it's a great field to be in, right? Marriages mm-hmm. are struggling. And, you know, I run a small business. I have a full-time nine-to-five job, right? So I work 40 to 50 hours a week normally in my nine-to-five IT job. And I do all this on the side. The podcast is mm. part of what I do. So, you know, just just going the entrepreneurial route and that being your main focus without having something else you're doing at the same time is just... Yeah, Man, it, there's it's a lot crazy. of uncertainty. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I can only imagine what kind of stress that puts. I, I teased my wife the other day. I came home from work, was like she's like, "You okay?" I said, oh, yeah, you know what? I'm just done with it. I, I I hate it. I'm done with it. I quit. We're just going to do the podcast full time. And the look on her face was was not. Ha, 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 ha. That's funny. <laughs> it was yep. turn turn your butt around and go back to work and get your job back, right? So, mm-hmm. in our conversations before the podcast. You define masculinity like this. Masculinity is not an appearance or a look like most people think it is, but rather an energy or a way of being. Or sorry, a way of being. It's being focused, driven, unshakable, and solid mentally, physically, and emotionally. We're going to get into that, but first we're going to mm-hmm. roll to our sponsor, and we'll be right back with more
0: from Bradley Roth. Today's episode brought to you by TheFallibleMan.com. That's right, it's us head over to www.thefallibleman.com and check out our blog updated twice a week with new content and links to all of our social media offerings. Tag or search us at thefallibleman or at fallibleman on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and other social medias for daily content. While you're there, check out our attitude swag, shirts, cups, stickers, and more. Again, That's www.thethallibleman.com.
1: Guys, welcome back. We're here with Bradley Roth discussing masculinity and relationships. Bradley, in the last year, what is one thing under $100 that you have purchased that has had the most significant impact on
2: your life? uh, That's a great question. Maybe this giant water bottle that I got, it's like a gallon water bottle. I drink it every day. And you know, it's one of those super, like super simple things, hydration, but otherwise I never do and uh and energy levels, mood, every, there it is. I got the same one. Yep.
1: <laughs> On Amazon, <laughs> I love this water bottle. I just got
2: it. Look at that. Great minds think alike.
1: I I found myself struggling with I I had a bigger water bottle and it br- finally just wore out. And so I had my little 24-ounce one. It was just taking it back and forth with me. Mm-hmm. I started just like, did I fill that up? How many times did I fill that up today? Yeah, I fill it up enough? This is great. I can just like poof, fill it up at the beginning of the day, right? And look at it and go, ah, I, I need to drink more.
2: You're two hours behind, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that,
1: that's so funny that you – uh that, that That's what stuck out for you. Cause,
2: yeah, I'm like, man, what do I use like every day? That's real simple. And that, that's what came to mind.
1: Well, you know, people people pick on gym rats because we like to carry around our big heavy water bottles <laughs> with us, but at least we're getting hydrated, right?
2: Very true. Especially so, out here in Arizona, you know, it's, it's I, real easy to...
1: <laughs> I can only imagine the dehydration you guys deal with out there. Mm-hmm. I'm in Eastern Washington and it gets warm here, but nothing like Arizona.
2: Yeah, for sure.
1: Scottsdale's up towards the mountains a little bit, right? So you guys aren't quite as hot as Phoenix. Is that correct?
2: Uh, No, we're pretty much just as hot as Phoenix. We're like two minutes from the Phoenix border. Like I, right I
1: have a, a coworker who actually used to live in Scottsdale. And he he tells me mm. all the time, he's like, oh, it's up in the mountains. It's a lot cooler. It's not like everywhere else in Arizona. I'm going to have to call mm. his bluff and be like, yeah, I was just on with Scottsdale. And it is a- <laughs> he's calling you a liar, man. Interesting. Yeah. So, as a relationship coach, walk us through the role of masculinity or that masculinity plays in a relationship, in relationship dynamics.
2: Yeah. So, I would say that that both masculine and feminine, neither of them exist like in a vacuum or independently. It's really more about the balance between them than like one side or the other, if that makes sense. So, the way I like to think about it is um, it's like on a spectrum. Let me see if I have a little. I have a little drawing here. Yeah, actually, this is funny. I was using this recently. So there's a spectrum here, right? Like one side is masculine, far masculine. One side's far like extreme feminine, and then there's this middle point, this balance point. And you need polarity in a relationship. That's what creates the attraction, right? Just like magnets. Like if you have two positive magnets, they're not going to attract. But if you have opposite, they're going to attract. And the and the stronger they are magnetized either way, the stronger they're going to attract. And so. You need that natural balance of masculine and feminine. And ideally, in a perfect world, they balance out into the middle. And a lot of times, you know, you you can have, it's not about male, female, right? Masculine, feminine. There's a kind of a general correlation, but it's not always exact, right? And so, you you can have a very masculine female and a kind of more feminine energy man. And they might balance out. And that's, you know, it's not that uncommon. Even in same sex couples, usually one is more masculine, one's more feminine, right? And so you need that balance to be in the middle. And we all have a natural kind of set point. So let's say as a guy, my natural set point is like three quarters towards the masculine side. And, you know, my partner is right here. But if you get thrown off your natural set point or you don't know how to be that person, what happens is your partner will kind of try to compensate for you. So, for example, um, you know, my fiance, she is an ER nurse and she's a team leader in the ER. And so, that's like a very kind of naturally masculine role where, you know, you take charge, like let's go, like no messing around, that sort of thing. And so, it could be really hard to kind of turn that off when you get home, right? And so, you bring that home and everyone has, that, like I said, that natural set point. And it's, all you're always moving. You're always dynamic. You're always balancing. So like one day, like if sometimes the dude just needs a shoulder to cry on and they become, and then, you know, so let's say my fiance becomes that shoulder to cry on and you kind of switch roles, switch energies for a little bit, but you switch back. It's when you get switched off your natural set point for a long time, things start to get rocky, right? Or if one person is on their natural set point, the other person shifts over and then you got two masculine energies and then they're button heads. So, it's all about kind of this constantly moving dynamic and and balance and polarity. And so, you know, there's a lot of talk these days about, uh, you know, I think like modern society kind of in general, right? There's a lot more women who are working who are kind of taking or even as an entrepreneur taking on this kind of masculine energy, this masculine role. And You bring that home and then you have a like say the man also is like a masculine energy or you got two entrepreneurs, you got two kind of like alpha type personalities, there's going to be some clashing, right? There's not that balance. Or a lot of times you hear this all the time, like where are all the masculine men, right? This is something that we could get into, but a lot of men these days don't understand what that means and they try to be a pleaser. Now, there's nothing wrong with like pleasing your woman, making her happy, right? Like obviously we want that, but it's when you become kind of passive and wishy-washy and and defer and that sort of thing, kind of put it on her to make decisions. And that was something that I was really not good at for a long time, something that I misunderstood and kind of like the whole nice guy syndrome, right? For a lot of years, I was like, yeah, I'm a nice guy. Why, you know, Why are girls attracted to the quote-unquote assholes or whatever you want to call it? a lot of times it's because when you defer and you are passive, like you're not stepping into that masculine role, like your woman wants you to. And so like something real simple, like as an example that we all hear about is, oh, where do you want to go eat? Oh, I don't know. Where do you want to go eat? You know, it's like, oh, let me like, if I let her decide, you know, that'll make her happy. I want to like, let her decide. But what she really wants is for you, you know, she may not like whatever you choose, but she wants you to choose and make a choice and make a decision and be kind of a leader and solid and sure of yourself as opposed to like kind of putting it off onto her so i know i kind of like threw a whole bunch of stuff in there but hopefully that kind of ties together and makes sense in a way <laughs> for the most part
1: no no it's absolutely fine yeah. there that's i mean so i i uh you know follow like tim ferris and stuff like that on youtube mm-hmm. and people who are very successful right because If you want to be successful at something, you study people who are successful at it and see, you know, what. Uh, And he's very big into, you know, don't ask open-ended questions because you don't want to waste people's time or, you know, especially Mm -hmm. as you get people who are in demand and stuff like that. It's like, no, no, the open-ended questions are really where we need to kind of spend some time because that's where discussions are. I don't Mm -hmm. need that concrete, right? You were talking about how people come home uh and they have this all day and sometimes they bring home that energy um it's funny funny enough and it's the weird example jumped in my head is you know actually one of the biggest clientele of like BDSM type homes in big cities is high successful business people mm-hmm. because they don't want to take that home they they are powerful and successful and you know putting the hammer down all day long Yep. And they come home and they just want to go, whew, and they can't do that. So they get into these fantasies, right? You ask yeah, an electrician. like
2: this extreme feminine mm-hmm. situation. Yeah, to balance. Yeah.
1: You you go to an electrician's house, you're going to find all the wiring a mess. And you go to a plumber's house, you're going to find the whole place just jacked up when it comes to plumbing. We, <laughs> we all want to take a break from what we do for a living. So if you're in mm-hmm. that, whether you're a male or a female, you're in that high power situation or you're a... Entrepreneur, or whatever, right? You're the driving force, a team lead. You just want to come home and take that shirt off and be mm-hmm. you, right? I yep. think that's actually where a lot of men struggle with coming home in the relationship and having that, uh, no, whatever you want to do, right? I, mm-hmm. I make decisions all day at my job. And so when my wife asks, like, you know, where do you want to go f- for dinner, I don't actually care. It's not even a, a passive, <laughs> I'm trying to please her. Like, mm-hmm. I truly just don't care. At that point, I've made decisions all day. Yep. Figuring out what's for dinner or figuring out where we're going is the last thing I actually care about. Mm-hmm. Because I have to make decisions all day that have multi-million dollar consequences sometimes. Yep. And so, you know, I, I we come home and just go, nope, we're here, we're chill. As men, is something we got to really work on is coming home and not just unplugging as so we we get home. Yep. We need that downtime to unplug. Unplug. That's where we get our peace from. That's where we, how we de stress. But we have to answer the call and come home and help take care of the kids if we got kids, and help take care of the house if we got stuff to take care of at the house, and you know help our spouses or whatever before we get to unplug. We can't just come home and disconnect. That's where you get a lot of the absentee fathers and
2: husbands, mm-hmm.
1: and uh, so yeah, no, it's a, it's an absolutely fair question and answer. Uh, I love the yeah. answer.
2: Yeah. It's a, it's a balancing act, right? Like you can, cause you get those people who come home and they kind of super unplug, mm-hmm. right? And they go the complete, like from super masculine to more feminine role. Mm-hmm. And then you have the others who never know how to turn it off and they come home and there's still that like hard charger, like no emotional mm-hmm. flexibility and that sort of thing. And so it's kind of finding that middle ground. And obviously a lot of it depends again on your, your partner, you know, is your partner kind of naturally more feminine or maybe a little more masculine. And then you kind of have to understand that. And when you need to be the, the mirror to that, and that opposite. But yeah, like you said, um, one thing that's really interesting is like a lot of guys that come home and they oh, crack a beer, right? Like that's kind of at least stereotypically a lot right. of guys. Yeah. Do that's that. the and image. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, it's one of those things because you think, oh, beer, like dudes drink beer, like masculine. And it's like, no, actually you drink a beer, you're doing it to kind of like decompress and let loose and almost get yourself more into that relaxed feminine state. Yep. Yeah. And so it's kind of like, oh, people are like, oh, drinking beer is a masculine thing. Well, actually, in a lot of ways, it's the opposite. It's kind of trying to decompress from that constant masculine like frame that well, a lot of guys maintain like at work and stuff.
1: Is that... So, so that brings up an interesting question is that right. need to decompress actually masculine or feminine, or is that almost because it's, it's a shared emotion, right? A lot mm-hmm. of women come home and they need to unplug as well for a little while.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So is that more almost kind of a benign middle to just, you know, it's, it's one thing to crack that beer and be like completely passive about everything. It's another thing to crack that beer and decompress. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. because
1: that can be masculine or feminine men and women both have that emotion and that need yep. to unplug some people want to come home and have a glass of wine or a shot of whiskey some people want to come home and just right they, they want to go read for an hour and decompress that way mm-hmm. so i'm not sure that that's actually if that's not just benign that need to unplug it's how you act after you start to unplug i think
2: mm-hmm.
1: that really becomes and how that, far you unplug right yeah. it, there's a difference between decompressing a little bit and just popping out of the situation and i don't know
0: it's it's a yeah. it's a
1: hard line i know i it's really difficult for me to find that middle ground between making decisions and being in charge and coming home and totally unplugging and just be like
2: eh, mm-hmm. whatever
1: right yeah i know i i struggle with that middle ground of where do where is decompressing stop and just me not yeah, yeah checking out
2: yeah it, it's gone. a very individual thing right because like i said everyone kind of has that set point along the spectrum mm-hmm. on where they kind of naturally are and like if you're uh like i would say my natural set point is not like all the way at the end of masculine i'm somewhere kind of like in the middle of the masculine spectrum right and so the further off you have to kind of push yourself at work or whatever the more you have to kind of decompress to get back to it, right? And so, like a female, like again, my fiance, for example, has to take on this very masculine role at work. And so, that's like way off her natural set point. And so, that sometimes requires a little bit more like just vegging out and watching TV to get back to normal, right? Or she'll work three 12s in a row and after that, it's like she needs like a day or two to kind of like Get back to that set point. So it's a very individual thing, and you kind of have to start to kind of notice and become aware of it, and and where you are, and also kind of what your work setting is. Mm -hmm. You know, there's some people, like there's some dudes who work a job where they don't really have to be a decision maker, and so then they need something when they get home to kind of like like they're going to go hit weights or something like that to kind of push them more the other way. So it goes both ways. It's not always decompression. Sometimes it's like I haven't gotten enough of. that kind of structure and focus and charge, you know, hard charging. And so you almost have to add that in. And so it's, it's never like an absolute. It's, it's very different for everyone. It depends totally on your situation.
1: And of course, here's the, the question that all the men listening to this podcast right now want to know is, is your fiance going to kick your butt when she hears you using it as her example on this podcast?
2: <laughs> she might try. No, that's, uh,
1: <laughs> are you going to be in the doghouse uh, for this one?
2: We're, we're both like pretty, kind of open like she under she knows that she kind of has this role at work that right puts her in that that kind of mode of being in order to be effective at her job right like she she has a team of guys girls all these different personalities like someone comes in and like they're dying like she knows that that take charge mentality is you know it's something she's great at she's she excels at her job but
1: that's saving but it definitely like
2: has its toll You know, like she comes home and just some days she's just emotionally exhausted and a little burnt out and that sort of thing. So, she's aware of it. So, if she listens to this, uh, I don't think she'll get too mad. But, you know, it it, that reminds me of something else though. Like, is she going to kick your butt? And she tries a lot. (laughs) Uh, And it's because women are always testing your masculinity. Like, whether they realize it or not. And so, like, she'll you know, kind of jokingly like charge at me or try to tackle me or whatever and Mm -hmm. it's mainly to see like if I'm solid and, you know, nine times out of ten, she bounces off me. She, you know, she's a little spitfire and I'm a little bit bigger, right? And but she's always kind of like checking to see like, okay, like is is he strong, right? Is he solid? Does he stand his ground? And that's kind of like whether it's conscious or not, that's something that you know, a feminine woman is always kind of checking with her, man. And I don't know if you've experienced this kind of the same way, but there's always that kind of like little bit of testing going on.
1: <laughs> well, it's funny because you you have the whole dad bod trend mm. thing, right? That yep. to me is, to me is a hideous concept, but mm-hmm. you in the last couple of years, you've seen that whole, and I keep seeing more and more women be like, oh, well, I like it. No, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. Okay. You, you may say you like that, but at the end of the day. Sure, you may not want your guy to be just like crazy over the top, you know, dominant masculine. And Mm -hmm. there there is a point where you have to, masculinity brings with it a sense of control of yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Being masculine doesn't mean I need to suppress anybody else if I'm comfortable in my masculinity. But at the end of the day, most women still want a male who can stand his ground and be physically capable, right? Just because you're spouse or your girlfriend or your wife or however you want to say it is capable of taking care of herself doesn't mean that she wants to have to mm-hmm. if the situation gets strange or hairy right yep so now i i just have to tease you a little bit because i've uh <laughs> i've had some guys say some things on here it's like you gonna be in the doghouse when she hears this because
2: uh-huh.
1: uh now i i understand my wife is feisty so yeah she she wants me to be able to say my ground. She also wants me to not be a dick. So you know, right? <laughs> yes, yeah. I'm talking about I'm, you, dear.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I hear that. Yeah. There, I mean, yeah. I think being a dick, and again, get into this whole toxic masculinity thing that's going on. It's like there's no. I think toxic masculinity. They try and paint it as this over masculinity, whereas it's really a lack. Of true masculinity, right? Totally agree with and, you. Yeah. And, uh, and it's kind of this, you know, I don't know if we want to go down the rabbit hole or not, but it's kind of like to, like, when you say those two words together enough, people start to associate them. And it's kind of the subtle programming, right? And so, you know, it's one of those things that if you don't understand it, you are going to think, oh, toxic masculinity is an over masculinity. So, masculinity must be. Bad. And it's like, no, toxic masculinity is a total lack of masculinity. Because, like you said, if you're strong in your masculinity, you know, you are, I mean, you're present, you are secure in yourself. Mm -hmm. And so you don't have those negative or harmful behaviors towards others if you're really kind of correct with yourself and your masculinity. If that makes sense.
1: It always cracks me up when people talk about this because. Right. If it was toxic, people don't want to be around that. But mm-hmm. you find a quote unquote what people would call a hyper masculine man. They are never lacking for being surrounded by women.
2: Ever. For sure. And it mm-hmm. doesn't
1: even have to be like a player, right? When like the whole bunch of girls that you see on Instagram, this guy with like seven girls at the club or some crap like that. hmm I'm I'm surrounded by women, right? I'm married, I have two daughters, I have seven nieces, I have my wife's mm-hmm. friends around me, my mom lives with me. I'm surrounded by women all the time. And never once has it crossed my mind to try and be overtly suppressing or push them back. I want I', I got two little daughters, man. I want them to be successful. I want the mm-hmm. world for them and at their feet. But I also want a guy who knows how to treat them, who knows how to provide and protect whether they need it or not. And Mm -hmm. as a father, my job is to make sure they don't need it, but they can take care of themselves, but they shouldn't have to. Right. right? It it is that balance. And uh, for those of you Mm -hmm. on the podcast, as we're talking, he was talking about a line earlier as an example. Uh, I know you can't see the video. So, you know, there's a line, right. And one side is, Masculine and one side is feminine. You got to find that mix in the middle where you guys complement each other. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, no it's it's funny because you never see a lack of feminine com- company for a truly masculine person, because yep. masculinity doesn't need to suppress femininity for it to be successful or to be good. Mm-hmm. But you frequently see guys who are, and I don't want to use the term beta males. Cause I, I'm, I think that term is stereotypically used in a really bad too way. general, Yeah. Yeah. But it's the lack of the masculine qualities where you see mm-hmm. guys who are intimidated by women. And so they lash out and treat them badly or yeah. uh, feel displaced by them. And so I think it's a, it's a really unhealthy dynamic that they call toxic masculinity, but Rating all men, all masculinity is bad because a couple guys are jerks or mm-hmm. incomplete, right? You wouldn't say all cattle are bad because that one got mad cow disease, right, right. That guy is a rapist in a scum bucket, and you know, I hope he rots in prison. That doesn't define men, but that mm-hmm. seems to be the measuring stick we're heading towards. And guys, if you are getting something out of this conversation, be sure and hit that like button. Leave us a comment. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, wherever you are. I love to hear what you guys have to say. Here is the question of the show. How would you define masculinity, guys? Comment below. Shout it out in the feedback. I want to know how you define masculinity. Right? We've, we've kicked around some ideas on the show today. Maybe you agree with us. Maybe you don't agree with us. I want to hear your take on it. How do you define masculinity? Shout it out. Let us hear, join the conversation. Now, Bradley, I've got to ask you, Mm -hmm. what are three steps for men to take on right now to improve their relationship?
2: Uh, First would be, I mean, kind of the general answer, we've probably all heard it, uh, but it took me a while to like really hear it is work on yourself, right? Like again, you can't be a strong man if you aren't confident and secure with yourself. So whatever area that is that you may be feeling secure about, whether it's, you know, your fitness and your health, go take care of it. If it's your finances, your money, you know, start working on that. Uh, And so you got to just kind of attack your weaknesses, round yourself out, do whatever you need to, to become strong and confident in yourself. And that's going to make you feel better about yourself. And it's going to make your partner feel better as well. So, that's like step one that's so foundational. and It's one of those things that you know, a lot of people hear, but they don't really hear or they don't really internalize. And so, I would just kind of reiterate that one. The other is to kind of learn about what it really means to be masculine and kind of dive deeper on that. And my one, one of the things I recommend the most and one of the books that really changed it for me was The Way of the Superior Man by David Dida. highly recommend going and getting that book. Uh, It will help you really understand what it means. And then it's just, you know, once you've taken those kind of first two things, it's it's applying them and taking them from like kind of understanding them externally to making them, making those things a part of you, right? So, building yourself into the strongest uh, man you can be, best man you can be. Understanding what th- those things are and becoming aware of them, and you start to pick up on these little things and and understand that balance uh, in your relationship. Like, okay, I need to step up and be masculine here, and that sort of thing. So it's work on yourself, dive a little bit deeper into that. I highly recommend that book as a great resource to get started, and then it's just applying and learning and just becoming that that masculine man. And again. Not overdoing it or faking it. Finding out who you are at your core, at your masculine core, because you do see a lot of guys out there who kind of like they try to overdo it or they compensate or they, you know, the whole kind of get the big truck or tattoo and kind of like uh, try and try and do external things versus internal things. You know, that's a big mistake a lot of people make because I, again, I think growing up, a lot of us think masculine and feminine is you know like masculine is you drive a pickup truck and drink beer and have tattoos and you're jacked and that sort of thing. And then feminine is like you wear pink and you're blonde and skinny and all that where it's that's really not it at all. There may be, maybe a little correlation here and there, but really it's um, like I kind of said, it's, it's a way of being. So those are the three kind of simple, but general steps I would take.
1: Oh my goodness. The idea of having to act on something you learned. (laughs) <laughs> Say it isn't so.
2: Yeah. Yep. Got it. Yeah, it's like there's there's levels to it. Like a lot of people will read something or learn something and then like, okay, I read it, I learned it. That's it. And it's like, okay, but did you put it into practice? Did you apply it? Otherwise, you're just kind of, you know, it's like mental masturbation in a way. <laughs> so it's that
1: uh, all critical step that people like to leave out. Oh, well, yeah. I read a great book on this. Okay. Well, how did you apply it to your life? Uh So I was was reading one of your Facebook posts and you posed an interesting question that I'd love for you to share a little bit on. Mm -hmm. How much work are you putting into enhancing your relationships on a regular basis, relationship on a regular basis compared to the other areas of your life? Mm -hmm. Are you spending even 10% working to improve it compared to how much time you spend in the gym? How about compared to moving forward in your business or career? So tell us about your experience in helping men with this particular question, because this is, this is a really, really valid question. I was reading on your Facebook and it's like, man, that is just like a home run kind of question right there.
2: Yeah, it's, uh, it's super important. And that's one of the kind of the, the main, one of the top principles that I kind of like to hammer home with people is, you know, we grow up, we know that to be in shape or be healthy, you gotta go to the gym, you gotta eat healthy, you gotta constantly work on it. If you don't, you know, things slide towards the negative. In your business or your career, if you don't work and you're not constantly moving forward, your business fails, you get fired, whatever, you don't move forward. And so we spend a lot of like active work in those areas, but very few people are spending active work on their relationships. And I think it's because we've been taught that it's all about love and attraction and your soulmate and kind of all these Hollywood things that we learned growing up. And so we think, oh, if there's love or an attraction involved, like these other principles will kind of take care of themselves. And that's just, it's not the case. And you're going to learn it either the hard way or you can kind of learn it and be proactive about it. But a lot of people, and again, this is another reason why I wanted to work with entrepreneurs is because they are so focused and driven on their you know, on their business, on their career. And they know that it's going to take a lot of work to succeed in that area. But then they spend like 90, 100% of their energy there and they don't save any for their relationship. Like I know so many people who are big on personal development, but not on what I call relationship development. So relationship development is basically taking principles of personal development of constantly improving, learning, uh, and that sort of stuff and applying it into your relationship. So that's something that, uh, I probably still don't do enough of didn't do, we didn't do any of it really consciously or proactively for a long time. But when we did again, that kind of shift a couple of years ago, uh, along with kind of understanding the masculine feminine dynamics has made a huge difference for us. And so, uh, you know, for us, it's, it's, we aren't great about doing it every month. We're not perfect, but I came up with this list of, okay, every month we're going to try and read a book together, some sort of relationship based book and kind of discuss it together. That's a huge one. And like most people, when they hear that, like even our friends are like, Oh my gosh, that's crazy. I'm like, that's really a pretty cool idea. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, that's a really easy one, right? A book is $10 on Amazon. There's so many good ones you can read together, discuss and uh, and then another one is like, we get each other a random gift each month. It could be something real small, five bucks could be a hundred, whatever, but no reason. And that kind of, you know, each of these things almost kind of, it moves you forward together, but it also kind of touches on your love languages, which is a whole nother kind of really important thing to get into. But, uh, you know, it's doing that it's spending quality time together. So, you know, a lot of people have date night, right? That's one kind of level to it another is you know trying to spend a weekend away just the two of you every month or two or three or kind of what works for you but just really kind of implementing these like conscious proactive things to move your relationship forward that very few people do uh because you know we're taught kind of growing up or not taught that uh that you need to do these things like how many of us really saw our parents actively like reading a book together and discussing it probably like 0.1% of the population. And so there's just been this kind of like massive idea that we all, a lot of us subconsciously believe is like, Oh, like, you know, if we're nice to each other and we spend time together, you know, and we love each other and attracted to each other, like that'll take care of it. And it's well, you know, 50% divorce rates say otherwise. So, Uh, there's so much out there and so much available now these days, like in the times we're living in that there's no excuse not to take advantage of some of those resources and work on them just as you would your health and fitness or your business and career.
1: What is next for Bradley Roth?
2: (laughs) Uh, You know, I have kind of my, a lot, I have a lot of different ideas, but the two kind of main pillars I'm working on is the Not Most People brand, uh, which right now the podcast is the base of, but there's apparel coming, uh, communities, stuff like that. And then with the relationship uh, coaching right now, it's one-on-one focused with entrepreneurs and or one-on-two, like if it's the couple. But I want to make that, you know, I want to make it more accessible to everyone because that is kind of like not... Really accessible to everyone necessarily. It's kind of high ticket, very individualized attention and that sort of thing. So I want I want to create group coaching and courses and other things around it uh, and around masculinity and that sort of thing too. That's kind of my other, you know, like within the relationship scope of things. I have the people who are in long term relationships, the entrepreneurs. Mm. But that other area that I'm passionate about because I was there too is teaching. Men, let's say from twenty to thirty, what it really means to be masculine, and how to develop that. So that's another area that I would really like to create tools and content and resources for.
1: All right. Now, you have a great website, Bradleyroth.com, I believe. We have that we'll share here on if you're watching on the video. Where is it? There it is. There it is. There we go. I like I like the ticker on the top of it, guys. Thank that's you. bradleyroth.com. If you're listening on the podcast, you can check out Brad there and his blog is linked. His podcast is linked. Brad, is this the best place to find you, or do you have other means? Uh, I saw you on Facebook. Where is the best place for people to reach out and get in contact you with you, and maybe you know, maybe they need some help and maybe they want to talk mm-hmm. to you. Is this the best place to go, or Tell us.
2: Um, yeah, like I said, I still got to do some finishing touches on the website, so don't judge it too hard, but, uh, a really easy way to reach me is Instagram. So that's at Bradley underscore Roth on Instagram or Bradley Roth on Facebook and, Mm -hmm. uh, hit me up on messenger. I'm pretty active on messenger as well. Uh, and then not most net for everything, kind of not most people and podcast related as well.
1: Okay. Now guys, we have unpacked a whole lot of ideas here. We've uh, dove into some relationship stuff. We've dove into just some masculinity things. Listen to the episode a second time if you need to. Go check out Bradleyroth.com and see what Bradley is doing over there. Guys, your relationship, your masculinity is critical to it. Okay? It is a mm-hmm. core foundational ele- element. Bradley is coaching with successful entrepreneurs who live in a lot of stress. Uh, We've reiterated it on this podcast many times in the past. Your masculinity is key to helping your relationship be successful if that is a goal for you. So re-listen to it, isolate it, tell us what you think of the podcast and what you think of this episode. Guys, thanks so much for your time. Brad, thanks for taking the time to be here. I told you I ended up calling you Brad before it was over. Sorry about that. (laughs) It's and uh, guys, be better tomorrow because of what you today. And we'll see you next time.
0: This has been the Fallible Man Podcast. Your home for everything man, husband, and father. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a show. Head over to www.thefallibleman.com for more content and get your own Fallible Man gear.